we've been going through some hard painful and scary times oh i know for some people things might not have changed all that much except you do not see in person most of the folks you did before but unemployment is so high climate change rears its fiery head in the west coast the contagious pandemic is not going away nor are the threats to the integrity of our upcoming elections these are not moments to be on the sidelines but it's all most of us can do just to get through the day Hello, and welcome to this week's edition, the September 20th, 2020 edition of the Redheaded Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I am the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. St. Peter's is an open and affirming congregation within the United Church of Christ. Our service this day um, is the sermon is called Living and Dying. The elector is Beth Sturba, and the scriptures are coming from Exodus 16 and Philippians chapter 1, and you'll be hearing those after I close. Once again, I want to thank you for tuning in, and I also want to uh, encourage you that if you do enjoy what you receive from the podcast, let other, let other people know about it. Uh, we don't have an advertising budget. We're not in it to make money, of course. But if, um, if you think it's worthwhile sharing with somebody else and invite them to try it out, that would be great. As I thank you for considering that, let's now enter into the sanctum of the prayer for illumination. Excuse me, not that, but the scriptures and the sermon, Living and Dying. Our first reading is Exodus 16, verses 2 through 15. The Hebrews have crossed the Red Sea and escaped the Egyptians. Now they are on their way to Mount Sinai. There's a problem. A problem every long trip has. They're hungry. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough food for that day. And that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord 
because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall meet, and in the morning, I'm sorry, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord of God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This ends the reading from Exodus. Our second and final is Philippians chapter 1 verses 20 through 30. Paul, writing from a Roman prison and aware he may die soon, speaks of his hope that Christ will be exalted then, as always, in his body, whether by life or death. Passage picks up there. Paul wrote, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by making that but by my speaking with all boldness. Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary to you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by the opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he had graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This ends the reading of the epistle and our scriptures for today's service. 
Thanks be to God for this word, the word of God for the people of God. It's possible almost all of us have said it. Maybe not persons under the age of 40, but I have heard it a lot, both on TV and in real life. It's one of those sentences that, after hearing it, I have to keep my mouth closed rather than make a retort that most likely will not go over very well. It's the phrase, well, it beats the alternative. Of course, I presume she or he means death 99% of the time as the alternative. The situation the speaker is in usually is not a super desirable one. Working past 70, unless you really enjoy that, undergoing difficult medical treatments, living with a disability, or simply a necessary ongoing circumstance that wears him or her down. It's not winning the lottery, but hey, it beats the alternative, it beats death. Living when the living ain't easy beats death. Unless, of course, you're familiar with the famous Jerry Seinfeld setup, where, according to a poll, death is the preferred option over public speaking. Living. It's better than the alternative. Really? Really. I hope a Christian does not say that, except maybe as a joke. Paul told the Philippians that both living and dying, and Paulie had a hard, painful, scary life as a follower of Jesus, both living and dying were great as a servant of God. We've been going through some hard, painful, and scary times. Oh, I know for some people things might not have changed all that much, except you do not see in person most of the folks you did before. But unemployment is so high. Climate change rears its fiery head in the West Coast. A contagious pandemic is not going away, nor are the threats to the integrity of our upcoming elections. These are not moments to be on the sidelines, but it's all most of us can do just to get through the day. Where's Paul when we need him? Oh, yeah. He spoke to us just a few minutes ago. We heard what he said, too, didn't we? For to me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. A version some of us may be more familiar with is, for to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He is blessed either way, and he's writing from prison. A man of faith who has gone through suffering and was still experiencing an uncertain, an uncertain earthly future says that for him, living is Christ. In our historic and difficult season, can you and I also pursue saying the same thing for ourselves? By the grace of God, can we humbly agree with him and nod, yes, for me too, living is Christ. By the grace of God, yes, 
Maybe not right now, but maybe. We are all different, even though we are one as followers of Jesus. We are each at different levels of spiritual growth and understanding. We are all imperfect, fallible human beings. But why not seek to realize that, yes, to live is Christ? It would help us much to know what Paul meant about that. Do you want to hear again what Beth read? He, said, he tells us, For to me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. To remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I, will, I, am, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith. Fruitful, effective labor for the upbuilding of the church at Philippi, for the spiritual growth of this congregation he co-founded. Living is Christ. For Paul included helping others in their spiritual walk. You do not have to be an apostle, an author, or someone on television to find life in doing that. I believe, and I think you do too, that lots of spiritual teaching and mentoring happen indirectly or unknowingly. For kids, we thank God for intentional baptismal sponsors, Sunday school parents, students, and teachers. But that's not all. We also count on others passing on the faith or saying or doing godly things which others listen to or see, which makes a lasting impact. You do not even have to know that yourselves. They may not ever tell you that something you said or did not say when you had the chance, or something you did or refrained from doing because of your faith, spoke gospel to them. Built up their spiritual life, provided manna in their wilderness. Wept with them when they wept, and rejoiced with them when they rejoiced, conveying true community. Living is Christ, is helping others in their walk with God, which ideally is also their life. We may not think that's a big part of our lives, but I'm not suggesting this as a part of our life, but is our overall lives. Jesus is our center. And from this center of our mindset, our heart, our orientation, our spirit, he infuses our lives, whatever we are engaged in. Maybe we engage in comforting others and being a supportive presence. That's living as Christ, or living is Christ. Jesus had told his disciples at the end of Matthew that he would be with them in their missions and mission ministries, quote, to the end of the age. 
He would be present in their trials and in their rejoicing. And Paul does this also. Now, we know that he had suffered greatly in his mission trips and was now in prison. Philippi was not a city friendly to Christians, and Paul knew that. So he wrote near the end, For he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Empathetic solidarity. He lets them know that he understands what they're going through because it's his past and present. These are words of encouragement that they are not alone. They know someone who has walked and walks in their sandals, and they can write back to him about it if they want. When someone comes to you in your difficulties and puts their arm around you, who knows from experience how hard life and life in Christ can be and shares wisdom, perspective, their heart, and hope, that's a total gift. That is a total gift. Living is Christ, is being a gift in hardship. Paul offered more than empathetic solidarity. Remember he had written, and I'll quote, because it's from a different part, that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith. Fred Craddock wrote that the Philippians needed to hear Paul affirm his joy out of their concern for him. Oh, good, he's talking about joy. That's good, because he's going through tough times. But also as an assuring word for themselves as they endure a similar conflict. To live is Christ. To live is to help others, to be a source of comfort and hope, as Paul was. These come from God's call in Paul's life and ours as followers. These come from Christ, who is love, as well as power. To live is love. That is our center, our gift foundation of God's grace. Years ago, I had a sermon illustration about your basic sponge. I'm sorry I don't have it with me to reproduce it. I think I actually had one of our church kitchen sponges soaked with water on a plate. The sermon illustration was about how you or I respond to pressure. What comes out of us when squeezed? Water comes out of a sponge. The wetter it is, the quicker it comes out. I've never forgotten that image. And sometimes when I get ready for the day, I'll tell myself to try to be like that sponge, someone who's filled with love. Respond to people with kindness, grace, patience, warmth and service it's not exactly a prayer yet but why not the love within we sponges comes originally from god from a relationship we have with jesus christ and it ought not 
have to be a response to pressure that lets it come out from us. Because living is Christ. Living is love and service and how we treat difficult people at work, etc. I want to lift up our Be the Church banner hanging in the sanctuary and also in the nursery hallway. Remember, if you're familiar with it, what it says after after it exhorts us to be the church, a.k.a. the body of Christ on earth, protect the environment, care for the poor, forgive often, reject racism, fight for the powerless, share earthly and spiritual resources, Embrace diversity. Love God. Enjoy this life. Some of these can entail suffering. Jesus also suffered. A lot of times these days, the Christ love center within us can look like those things on that banner. To live is Christ. The Christ who was raised in power after suffering and dying, which power is also for us through the Spirit. To live is Christ. Living is Christ, Paul wrote. It is not always active. We know God orders a day of rest. Even in Exodus, before the law was given at Sinai, the Hebrews were told to expect their manna harvest to be a double portion so that they have enough for the day of rest. Jesus sometimes got away from the crowds and his disciples to be alone, and often then to pray. Living is Christ is not always active and go, go, go. We all have to take care of ourselves. That's law and gospel. For to me, Paul wrote, living is Christ and dying is gain. Dying is gain, a promotion, an upgrade, even from living helpful, loving lives on earth as an expression of who you and I are as followers of Jesus. It is better to depart, he said, and be with Christ, for that is far better. So, I would ask, do not let me hear any of you refer to your possibly meh circumstances in life and then say, it beats the alternative. First, our meh can be Christ. Living is Christ. Or we grow into that, and the alternative, it's the alternative, death or dying in faith is gain. It is far better than the modest glory we are given to participate in here. One key scriptural reason, I believe, that Christ's followers get to be with Christ upon their physical death is this passage. Living is Christ and dying is gain. It is better to depart this life and be with Christ. To me, that sounds like departure brings being with Christ. There is no reference here to an intermediate state 
or soul sleep, or even waiting in some soul sleep for the last judgment represented at the end of the book of Revelation. Now, it's true. Death is like a corkscrew to the heart, thank you, Bob Dylan, for us grieving those who die. A corkscrew to the heart. But not for Paul and those whose life was is Christ, who have gone through this. And that's our comfort. For believers of various stripes, the coming of death is called going to the other side or its transition, homegoing, entering into eternal rest, and so on. The late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, in his book, The Gift of Peace, called death his friend. We also have St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis died in 1226. Death was not something that simply happened to Francis, but a human reality that the saint embraced as his sister. In the song which he wrote praising God for creation, Francis added the line, All praise be yours, my Lord, through sister death, from whose embrace no mortal can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Happy those she finds doing your will. The second death can do them no harm. Sister death. Even someone who has not made a profession of faith, but who has brought lots of love and joy through his music. Paul McCartney had something graceful and positive to say about death and the life after. In his 2007 song, The End of the End, he sings, <clears throat> At the end of the end, it's the start of a journey to a much better place and this wasn't bad so a much better place would have to be special no need to be sad if to live is christ which is wow what a way to experience our lives and then if dying is gain, it is to be with Christ and by extension, the communion of saints. Then it is the alternative that is always better than even living lives of love, endurance, hope, and joy. For Christ, the crucified and risen Son of God who came out of the deepest love for us, whose love and teachings animate who we are. Christ, then, is our peace, our friend, our community, our truest and joyous home. And that's good news. Amen.